You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. This is how we're wired, and Satan knows it, by the way. We're wired this way. That person is guilty until proven innocent. And here's the problem. Even if they are proven innocent, there's always going to be that black mark. There's always going to be that thought in the back of your mind. Man, that's... Wow, they did? (laughs) They never did it. And yet they're being accused of it. It is a lie from the father of lies. Have you ever been on the receiving end of accusations or lies that had no merit or truth whatsoever? Even being proven innocent, did you suffer damages to your friendships? In today's message, Pastor J.D. reflects on what is listed as one of the seven sins that God hates, slander and accusation. In his study, you'll learn the importance of avoiding this sin at all costs. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Psalms, chapter 109, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Verse 16, because he did not remember to show mercy, but persecuted the poor and needy man, that he might even slay the broken in heart. As he loved cursing, so let it come to him. And as he did not delight in blessing, so let it be far from him. As he clothed himself, verse 18, with cursing as with his garment, so let it enter his body like water and like oil into his bones. How are we doing, by the way? Everybody okay so far? (laughs) We're almost there. Just hang in there. Verse 19. Let it be to him like the garment which covers him, and for a belt with which he girds himself continually. Let this be the Lord's reward to my accusers and to those who speak evil against my person. Let there be none to extend mercy Verse 21, but you, O God the Lord, deal with me for your name's sake, because your mercy is good. Deliver me, for I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. I mean, just, he is so hurt. He is heartbroken. He has been severely wounded at the hands of these accusers. Verse 23, I am gone like a shadow when it lengthens. I am shaken off like a locust. My knees are weak through fasting, and my flesh is feeble from lack of fatness. I also have become a reproach to them. When they look at me, they shake their heads. Help me, O Lord my God. Oh, save me according to your mercy, that they may know that this is your hand, that you, Lord, have done it. Let them curse, but you bless. When they arise, let them be ashamed, but let your servant rejoice. Let my accusers be clothed with shame, and let them cover themselves with their own disgrace as with a mantle. I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yes, 
I will praise him among the multitude, for he shall stand at the right hand of the poor to save him from those who condemn him. Okay, kind of a difficult psalm, right? I mean, it's reminiscent of another psalm of David that we uh, read and studied through uh, earlier about how he prays that his enemies will, that God will break their teeth in their mouth. And I mean, it's pretty intense. So what's going on here? Why is David so intensely praying for those who have falsely accused him? I think it's because of the seriousness of this matter. I'm reminded of the Proverbs, and I want to say it's Proverbs 7, where, might be 6, where the Proverbs says there are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that is an abomination to him. And that seventh one that the Lord hates is the sowing of discord amongst the brethren. This false accusation, this slander, this gossip, it is devastating. I've shared in the past that I've witnessed over the years, not here, thankfully. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for this church. Fourteen years in this church. We've never had one church split. But on the mainland, I've, I've seen it firsthand over the years, where there's this false accusation that is made against somebody, and their character is assassinated. Their lives are destroyed. I've seen marriages destroyed because of it. I've seen guys leave the ministry, want nothing to do with the Lord because of this. God takes this very seriously. This slandering of, this entertaining of an accusation against an elder, a leader in the church, in the pastoral epistles, as we affectionately refer to them, there is an exhortation, a warning to never entertain. When somebody comes to you and says something about somebody else, don't listen to it. Stop right there. Wait, 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 wait. Don't go one inch further. You're going to tell me about somebody else? Why don't you go to them? Why don't you go to them? Ask them. No, because, see, we want to couch it in terms of, did you hear about so-and-so? You know what I heard? No. And there's in our sin nature this appetite for the salacious. There's this, this hunger and thirst. You know, the, the proverb says, gossip goes down like this tasty morsel. We, we want to hear the latest. Oh, did you hear the latest? No, what? What? Yeah, was, we need, <laughs> it, it, here's how it goes sometimes. We need to pray for their marriage. Oh, I didn't know. See, here's what happens. When you say something, about somebody else, then that person that you say it to will never be able to look at that person the same way again. You know, I heard that they, and you fill in the blanks. And now all of a sudden, because this is how we're wired, and Satan knows it by the way, we're wired this way, 
that person is guilty until proven innocent. And here's the problem. Even if they are proven innocent, there's always going to be that black mark. There's always going to be that thought in the back of your mind. Man, that's, wow, they did? (laughs) They never did it. And yet they're being accused of it. It is a lie from the father of lies. You know, Jesus said they're going to know that we're his disciples by our love, one for another. Don't you think that Satan knows that, that verse? He knows the Bible better than we do. So if it's by our love, one for another, that they're going to know we're his disciples, then wouldn't it stand to reason that it will be our backbiting one of another, that they will question whether we're his disciples? You know, the world's watching us in the church. And there has to be something different and even peculiar about the life of a Christian and the life of a Christian church. And one of the things that must mark a healthy church, a healthy body of believers, is a zero tolerance for anything related to gossip and slander, false accusations, that are levied against, brought against someone else. Please, I'm, I'm, I, I, maybe I'm needing to, and we're going to uh, close here in a moment, but maybe I just need to share with you from my heart how important it is that we as a church never allow the enemy to get a foothold by way of gossip or slander or talking stink about somebody else. I pray that that never happens. You know, uh, early on when we first started the church, and we were a very small, very young church, and in those early days, I remember praying very specifically that God would protect this precious body of believers from such a fate. Because if a church is given over to this, it is just a matter of time before the fate of that church is sealed. When slander is allowed, false accusation is entertained. When gossip is allowed, I mean, we, you'll forgive the bluntness with which I say this, but as for me and my church, it's this, it's none, one, done. And again, you'll forgive me for the bluntness of this. If I, as the pastor, I'm very, I'm ferociously protective of this church. If I even hear one, that's it. None. Zero tolerance. One time, done. We will take the biblical approach in Matthew chapter 18, and we will confront the person that is gossiping and slandering and falsely accusing somebody. And if they do not come to their senses, then we will, what Titus says, what Jesus said in Matthew 18, 15, verse 17, we will have nothing to do them. In fact, it's harsher than that. Out of the mouth of the Savior, he says, treat them as you would a pagan, a tax collector. The Apostle Paul would say it like this, warn a man once, warn a man twice, third time, get get him out of there because it can spread like a cancer. This thing can spread like a cancer. This is why it is that David is so intense 
in crying out to God to do something about his accusers who falsely accuse him. He knows left unchecked, if God doesn't respond, he knows what this has the potential to do. If it's allowed to spread, it will destroy a church. If it's allowed to spread, it can destroy a pastor. Pastors are leaving the ministry by 1700 a month. Now I realize that sometimes it's dealing with maybe moral failure or something else. But why, pray tell, are that many pastors leaving the ministry? Well, I believe it's smite the shepherd, you scatter the sheep. Satan goes right for the, the shepherd. So, and he's the accuser of the brethren. This is one of his most powerful and effective tools, is to bring about a false accusation. And it started in the garden, by the way. Come on, let's, let's, let's be honest with each other. Was not that accusation against God when he deceived Eve, hath God said? He's falsely accusing God of holding out on Adam and Eve, because if he, he knows, listen to this accusation from the accuser, <laughs> the accuser, the accusation is, God knows that if, if you eat from this tree, oh, your eyes are going to be open, and you'll be able to see and know the difference between good and evil. And He doesn't want you to, because if you do that, then you're going to be just like him. That's why he doesn't want you to. What an accusation. What an accusation that is brought against God. And it's been repeated throughout the millennia, throughout the ages, throughout all of the generations from then until now. He uses this accusing slander and as the father of lies. And, and we know th three specific titles given to Satan. He's the accuser of the brethren, he's the father of lies, and he's the author of confusion. And correct me if I'm wrong, but don't all three of those go hand in hand? When you start off with a false accusation, and it's a lie, and it spreads, does it not create confusion and discord? And now all of a sudden, you're looking at that person, you can't receive from them because someone told you something about them. And now for the rest of their lives, they are guilty until proven innocent. Even if they could defend themselves and prove themselves to be innocent of this false accusation, it's never the same again. Because of that tongue that James describes as having the ability to set a forest on fire, this little tongue. We, we can control the rudder, the small rudder. We can control the big ocean liners with a small rudder, but we cannot control this little tongue that is in our mouths. It has the power of life and death. The words we speak, the things we say, it has the power to kill. You can assassinate somebody's character with this ugly little piece of flesh in your mouth. That's why David is so strong in this psalm. But David, what does he do about it? What's the answer? What, what do you do when somebody is falsely accusing you? And 
here's what I believe is really hurtful, because, and I speak from experience again, you'll forgive me, just bear with me. It's not so much that you have been slandered and falsely accused and lied about. What really hurts is that people believe it. People believe, and so your reaction typically is to try to defend yourself. And I know that when I've tried to defend myself, it only makes it worse. Pastor Chuck Smith used to always say, if you defend yourself, the Lord will let you. It's better to let the Lord defend you. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth. One thing I've learned, and again, I, <laughs> I, could, I should actually write a book about this, and I could. I won't, but I could. Um, when everything you say, if you try to defend yourself, every word you say will be used against you. Because see, they've already in their mind been the jury and the judge. You're already guilty. So you try to defend yourself. Oh, you're even more guilty. <laughs> this, this is a lie. I can't believe you're believing this lie. And he, here's the thing. When it's somebody you really love and care about, somebody that's close to you, oh man, it hurts so bad to be on the receiving end of something like that. So what's the best response? It's in verse 4. Here now David's on this receiving end of slander and false accusation and rumors and gossip and all of the above. So what does he do? He gives himself to prayer. He gives himself to prayer. And there's nothing wrong with just going to the Lord and go, he already knows what they're saying, but sometimes I'll say, Lord, did you, did you hear what they're saying about me? <laughs> did you hear the lies that they're spreading about me, the rumors that they're spreading? Lord, I'm your servant. And you know my heart, and you know I'm innocent of that which they are accusing me of. Please, Lord, you need to do something. I can't do anything about this. But you can, Lord. Now, I, I do have to confess that I have, you know, sometimes prayed, God, just get them. Get them. Do something to them. Why are you looking at me like that? Come on, you, <laughs> you've prayed that too. And then the Lord begins that work in your heart. He changes your heart, because that's what prayer does, right? Prayer changes the prayer. And so the prayers might start off that way, God, you need to get them, <laughs> to God, just forgive them. Forgive them, Lord. Be merciful to them. And what happens is when you pray that way for your enemy, it changes your heart towards your enemy. Now you don't have this, this adversarial relationship. You're, you're not sinning in your mind, in your heart, because you can believe me, and you know exactly what I mean when I say this. Our flesh is so capable of sinning against the one who has sinned against us. You know that in the old covenant it was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You know what that meant? One eye for one eye. We don't want just one. We want both eyes. You took one eye? I want both your eyes, dude. Uh, just one tooth for one tooth, not the whole, all of the teeth. Because if somebody wrongs you, man, 
Yeah, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We want to not get even. <laughs> Forget that. We want to, I mean, mete out revenge so much more than how they hurt us. We have to be very careful about that. I think the answer and the takeaway from the psalm and how I want to end the Bible study tonight is really with verse 4. Just give yourself to prayer. Lord, please. (laughs) And, And everything will change in your heart towards that person. You can actually still love those who persecute you, who speak evil against you, who slander you, who falsely accuse you. You can still love them. You can still pray for them. You can forgive them. Don't let the enemy use that to get you into it and into the flesh to try to defend yourself. Let the Lord defend you. The Lord can always defend you so much better than you could ever defend yourself. I think about, I think it's Psalm 34. This was a word. I had a situation, and then I'll end with this. I know I said that four (laughs) ends ago, but this will be the last thing. So I had a situation many years ago on the mainland, and it was so hurtful and so devastating. And I was really young in the ministry, and I really didn't know how to handle it. I had seen it done to my pastor uh, over the years, and I thought, oh my goodness. Why would anybody ever want to be a pastor if this is what, you know, happens? So I just, I remember the Lord gave me a word, and it was out of Psalms. I want to say it was either 34 or 37, where David says, Do not fret when evil men succeed in their ways. Just the the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. In other words, you just wait and you'll see. Well, so many years later, I would, in fact, I still to this day, all these years later, this is 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, 20 years ago. I still to this day get people emailing me, reaching out to me. Sometimes they'll send a Facebook message and they'll say, I watched you go through that. And I I just want you to know, and look at how God's blessing your ministry today. And it was the Lord saying, I told you I would let the justice of your cause shine like the noonday sun. You were innocent in this charge. This accusation against you was false. And now all of these years later, I'm going to defend you. And now, now, and look at them. Where are they? Where are your accusers? <laughs> I mean, some of them aren't even walking with the Lord anymore. But, but God... <laughs> Give yourself over to prayer. Trust the Lord. Wait for the Lord to make the justice of your cause shine like the noonday sun. Do not defend yourself. It is a bottomless pit. It never works. It will always make it worse. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Psalms. While our time with you is ending, your study of God's Word doesn't have to. Everyone can learn from the Bible, and everyone will be blessed when they open their hearts to its truth. As you spend time in Scripture today, ask God to share His heart directly with yours, and be open to whatever He has to teach you. 
know that we're praying for you as you study and will continue to do so each time we produce a new edition of In Spirit and Truth. Are you in the Kaneohe area? If so, we'd love to have you come be a part of our weekly services. Calvary Chapel Kaneohe meets each week to spend time praising the Lord and learning from His Word. Find out more about us and get directions at inspiritandtruthradio.com. You can also hear additional teachings from Pastor J.D. while you're there, or download our mobile app for Apple and Android devices to access these messages anywhere and everywhere. We'd also like to point out Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. updates us on where the world is in conjunction with the prophecies of the Bible. He takes the time to comb through the news and tell us how world events line up with God's plan as stated in His Word. If you'd like to view the latest edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update, visit our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor J.D.'s teaching, and we hope you'll tune in again right here on In Spirit and Truth.